Today's advanced training, I already alluded to it a little bit earlier. Uh, we're going to talk about budgeting part one and part two. Now, I am um, I'm a fan of, uh, well, I believe that whatever obstacles you overcome in life, it's now your responsibility to help somebody else overcome that obstacle. Uh, my good friend, Paul Roberts, I think he just celebrated his seventh year of sobriety. And when he first got sober, he said, what do I do with that? You know, what, how do I, what, what am I supposed to I said, here's your job now. Your job is to help other people with their sobriety. I can't do that. I, I you know, I, I'd never, I, I'm not an alcoholic and didn't become sober. So I can't walk people. I can't lead people. You can't be a tour guide to a city that you've never been. Right. So I haven't been to that city. I can't give people a guide there. Uh, I can only point them to good tour guides like Paul in that scenario. Well, for me anyway, um, my, <laughs> my sobriety was about money management and time management. I mean, those two things for me were my huge obstacles in getting the business up and off the ground. And so I love helping people through that. Uh, I don't claim to be the time management guru. I don't claim to be a money management guru. Uh, I just know what worked for me and I just tell other people about it. Does that make sense? Uh, just that simple. So what I want to do today is talk about budgeting part one and part two. In this two-part lesson, you're going to learn, number one, basic budgeting for your business. So uh, maybe you came on board here and you're looking just to make a little extra $500 a month and uh, you got a full-time job. You're just trying to make, make sure that the ends meet at home. Um, okay. But, but most people that came here are, you're actually starting a business and, and maybe you aren't fully aware of that yet, but let's treat it like a business early on. And I want to talk to you about how to budget for that business. Part two, a lot of people want to hear about this is how to properly work yourself out of the field. There are two different ways of making money here. There's sales and there's uh, creating an override income. And what can happen and has happened for many people, myself included, is the override income surpasses the sales income. And, and when it does, you're able to step out of that personal production world. Uh, for me, it's now been over 16 years since I was in the personal production world. If I write production now, um, I'm writing production off of friends that come to me and say, hey, can you write it? And really, it's probably Bruno writing it and we're splitting the business. Like, I, don't, I just don't write production now. And that's been 16 years because I built the override income up and was able to step away. So I want to show you how, uh, how to do it. Starting with part one, okay? Some quick tips on your budgeting. Number one, you need to increase your gross. So if you're going to run a business, you need to understand some very basic accounting terms. I'm not an accountant. I have one. I have a couple actually, uh, but I'm not an accountant. So I'm just going to teach you some basic terms that I know. Gross is the income you earn before you spend any money. That's the income that comes in. So uh, the insurance company pays you $1,000 for that sale. That's your gross income. Now you've got expenses that come out of that, like uh, your cell phone bill or leads or whatever. So gross income. If you want to People come to me oftentimes, Bobby, and they say, I want to I better budget my money. I go, well, step one, let's make more, right? Some people want to budget their money before they're making it. <laughs> like, step one, if you want to budget your money, you need gross income first. You need money coming in. So you need to increase your gross. Personal sales are vital. Personal sales are vital to increase your gross. Uh, I've seen it time and time again, but ultimately, uh, your, your financial fix to you, your budgeting fix may be you just need to increase the number of sales you're making a week, the volume that you're making, that you're selling every week. And we can be strategic with that and, and put out a plan to do that. But 
Personal sales are vital to increasing your gross. Also, recruit agents and get them started. Uh, a lot of people misunderstand the build, business building side of this, and they think the game is recruiting people. No, that's not the game at all. That's, that's getting the raw materials to build the car. Building the car is the thing, right? And it's not even building the car. It's getting the car out there and somebody buying the car and driving it. So when you bring new people on board, be very intentional about getting them up and going. That will increase your gross as well. These are quick tips. I could do a 30-minute lesson just on that by itself, on how to increase your gross. These are quick tips. We can talk more individually about, uh, about each one of these things. Number two, manage your lead flow. You know, if you treat this like a business or you treat this like a hobby, it has very different results. Um, and with a hobby, you talk about expenses, but with a business, you talk about investments. And uh, in managing your lead flow, if you're treating this like a hobby, it can chew you up. You know, it's uh, a hobby golfer would be somebody who thinks that their drives keep slicing and they need a new driver rather than fixing their swing, right? It's not the driver's fault. It's the swing's fault. And so fix the swing. But, but because it's a hobby for them, they don't invest in changing their swing. They invest in buying a new driver. That's why a lot of people who play golf as a hobby, it's very expensive because they're constantly buying this new club or that new putter or these new balls or trying this new course or I need a new bag or there's an you know, the problem is I didn't know the correct distance to the flag. So I need a new range finder. You know, like there's all kinds of stuff you can buy for that hobby. But you look at like um, Tiger Woods, golf is not a hobby for him. He's, he's one of the best in the world, used to be the best in the world and still considered up there. And he invests in, in, in investments in, in growing him. He's got coaches that watch what he's doing and, and, and talk about it. So you got to manage your lead flow. Don't order more than you need. Some people believe that they can out-order their sales deficiency. You know what I mean? Like, Fitz, I made 15 phone calls and I didn't book any appointments. Well, the answer is not buying more leads. You probably need to make more dials, <laughs> right? If you make more dials and some people say, oh, I just need more leads. Well, you made a lot of dials, but you didn't talk to anybody. Are you calling it like two o'clock in the morning? Or you talk to a lot of people, but you didn't book any appointments. Let's walk, work on your phone script. You don't necessarily need to go buy leads and create a hole for yourself. We need to fix the swing. You don't need to buy a new driver. Does that make sense? Don't be a lead junkie. Marty and I were talking about this this morning. Marty's like, well, you know, I, I really... And he's saying, and he is, he saw it today. He had 16 uh, referrals this week. He said, I'm going to focus on referrals and focus on current clients. And, and, and I made the comment to him. I said, Marty, you know why you should do that? It's because it's what we do. <laughs> Not because you're trying to manage your lead flow, but because you're good, because you're a salesperson. What you do is you make a sale and you ask for referrals and you stay in touch with your clients and you serve them when they have more needs. But lead junkies don't do that. They got to got to get their lead fix. Oh, tie it off and oh, shoot me up with some leads. Like that's a lead junkie. And I always talk to these people when they respond to Craigslist ads, they've been in the business 30 years and still looking for a good lead program. Red flag. This is a lead junkie. You've been in the business 30 years. You should be almost entirely referral based, if not entirely. Right. Number three. Oh, not yet. Track numbers and pass, track numbers and pass out to profitable agents. I, I'm not going to let an agent dig themselves a hole. I just won't do it. When I start seeing an agent thinking they need, they're going to buy their way with leads, they're going to buy their way out of their sales problem, I'm, I'm going to stop it. And, and let's, we're going to spend some coaching. I mean, if you're getting 10 A leads and you didn't make at least three sales, there's a problem there. Uh, let's fix it. So as a manager of those leads, make sure that the agents who are coming back with premium that they're getting leads and the agents that aren't coming back with premium that they're getting the coaching and the training that they need to come back with the premium. 
Number three, quick tip, manage your new business. Oh my gosh. When we first got started, we didn't know. Uh, we had insurance companies calling us up saying, hey, did you check your pending? Like pending what? <laughs> what? what? You mean pending? We had no idea what that was. Well, when you write business, it gets sent to the insurance company. It's just sitting there a lot of times waiting for you to do something. So first of all, clean apps go in. Brand new agents, we encourage brand new agents to write paper apps, not electronic apps. Why? Well, electronic apps are so much faster. It goes directly to the underwriter. It gets issued so much faster, except for those times that you write the wrong policy for that client on the electronic app and the decline comes faster. <laughs> clean apps go in. So when you're, if, you're, if you're a new agent, we encourage you to write the paper app, turn it into your manager so that we can look at it and make sure you sold the right thing in that scenario. If not, it's paper. We can say, here, let's tear this up. Go back to your client. Write this instead. Once you start getting a hang of what's right and what's wrong to write for these clients, yes, e-apps. Yes, send them in. You can't mess up an e-app. You, you can't submit it unless it's filled out right. That's great. But we want to make sure that the apps are clean, as we say, that everything's filled out, that there's explanations. Listen, if you've got a 50-year-old that says no to every health question, they're lying, right? Every 50-year-old has had something medically happen in their life. Dig in deeper because what they call that, if your apps are too clean, all the answers are no. That what, what the insurance companies know is you're white sheeting is what they call it, which is no, no, never so. You're trying to get business pushed through and, and insurance companies aren't stupid. They're multi-billion dollar companies. They pay attention to trends and they will terminate you if they find that you are in fact white sheeting on these applications. So make sure that you're getting answers and make sure you explain those answers on the applications. Once the business goes in, you've got to work your pending. If you do not know how to log into the insurance companies and work the pending that you've submitted, find out from your manager. If you'd like, you can give your manager your, your login credentials for that website, and we can help go in and work your pending as well while teaching you how to do it. Um, I've had some people hesitate. Marty, they hesitate. say, well, I, I don't know if I want to give you the login credentials to the insurance companies. I go, what do you think I'm going to do? I already have your... I got your social security number, your banking information, your mailing. I already have all that stuff. You think I'm going to go in and screw up your pending? Like what, what, what exactly? I'm not, no, we're trying to get you paid, man. We're trying to get these clients policies and get you paid. And oh, by the way, I get paid the same way. So we're, we're, we're trying to get that approved conditionally issued. That means the insurance company is done with the policy. They're waiting on you to do something. That stat drives me bonkers when I see a client or an agent rather that has five conditionally issued. I go, quit being lazy. <laughs> that conditionally issued means they're going to issue you issue the policy if you will do your part. Sometimes it means just going out and getting another signature. Well, I don't want to get another signature. Well, you just don't want to get paid because they're going to end up uh, closing that case out and not paying you and not giving the client a policy. You got to work that business. Number four, don't spend money too quickly. Here's a quick tip. We have people that may get their first commission check and they pay their three months of back rent. <laughs> like, whoa, you're commission only. You know, it's never as good as you think. It's never as bad as you think. It's, it's uh, in commission only world, it's kind of feast or famine, right? You got to kind of live somewhere in the middle on that. When it's really good, it doesn't hurt to save money. When it's really bad, you're going to be glad that you saved money, okay? So delayed gratification. Uh, I've had, I've seen people over the years make their first sale and they go out and get that new Mercedes lease. 
It's like, oh man, <laughs> but it's only $800 a month. It's just, it's just two applications. Like, I know, <laughs> don't do that yet. Like you haven't proven delayed gratification. Maybe you're working a full-time job, put off quitting that job until you know that you can make that commission check every week, every month, delayed gratification. Don't go out and buy that big TV just because you got money in your pocket. Delay it. Wait for something. Get, hit that growth goal we talk about. Hit that growth goal before you go out and, 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 and reward yourself. I'm, I'm okay with rewards, but not your first week. And if you are 90 days late on your rent, it, go kiss your landlord on the mouth. 90 days is awesome. They hadn't locked up your stuff yet. You don't have to make up the 90 days. You just got to pay 30. You know, whatever keeps the wolves at bay is what you got to pay, right? I'm talking about initially. Eventually, you want to get out of debt and all that sort of stuff. It never hurts to save money. Number five, work hard and smart. When we hired Joanne full-time, we were running over $200,000 a month in production. I was working 80 to 100 hours per week, and Heather was working 60 to 80. because She was also buying groceries, cooking, and cleaning all that stuff at home. I mean, just in the business, that's the hours we were working when we brought on Joanne full-time. So a lot of people think, I need staff. Well, a lot of people want staff because they're lazy, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Those are the quick tips. Let's jump into my early playbook. It's funny, what I'm about to show you, I can't tell you over 20 years how many people have argued with me about this playbook. And I go, look, this isn't something up for debate. This is my history that I can personally vouch for. If you think I could have done it better, okay, we can discuss that, but this is how I did it. So there's no arguing it. Does it work? Well, yeah, <laughs> it worked at least one time. <laughs> you know? I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. So here's my early playbook of how we budgeted our money. We got our gross income in. We got paid by the insurance companies, right? And let's say that's $1,000. So I'm going I'm to give you the, the formula and, and show you the numbers alongside of it at the same time. Gross income, $1,000. First thing I did was pay my lead bill. Now, this took a lot of um, thought and consideration, prayer. I talked to other business owners that own businesses outside of my business, uh, outside of our industry. And I decided that the lead bill was one of those essential things that I had to make sure it got paid every week. Because if you don't pay your lead bill, you get put on lead suspension, then you don't get leads. And as you're building a business, if you're on lead suspension, that's not good for your team. <laughs> so I, I first made sure I paid my lead bill, 300 bucks, boom. I'll, I'll show you more details about that in just a second. So that leaves me how much? 700, right? Here's what I did with that 700. I tithed, 10% tithe. Some people say, I don't believe in church. That's, that didn't say 10% church. It says 10% tithe. And tithe is actually, actually means 10%. So some of the really, really churchy people go, well, I tithe 20%. You can't 20%, 10%. Tithe is 10%. And here's the thought process behind this. You, if you want cash flow, look, I, I mean, this is not a religious talk I'm giving right now. This is no particular religion. Everybody agrees that if you have a water hose and you put a crimp in the water hose, the water stops right? Have you seen that? I mean, anybody grow up in the country and see that when you do that? Uh, if you step on a, if somebody's breathing oxygen, you step on their hose. <laughs> They're not getting oxygen anymore. Well, money works the same way. If you want money to flow, you can't have a crimp in the hose. You got to uncrimp it. Part of it is when it comes in, it's got to go out. It's got to go out. Well, mine goes out to my bills. Well, that's good, but it also needs to go out to charity. It needs to go out to somebody that can't do for themselves. It needs to, it needs to go somewhere where you're giving it not out of obligation, but because you want to, right? 
because it's the right thing to do. So um, Heather and I tithe to our church, but maybe you want to tithe to American Heart Association, or maybe you want to tithe to juvenile diabetics. It's, there's lots of places to give your 10%. So I did that. Again, not debating it. It's what we did. And then 10% savings. Now, I'll say we weren't actually saving 10%. We were creating a cushion. Um, it wasn't like we were trying to save for savings point. We didn't have any credit cards when we were doing this. We had maxed out everything. And a uh, and, and matter of fact, I, I remember telling Andy what I was doing. I'm putting 10% into a savings account. He said, well, why don't you just put that 10% towards your credit card? And then if you need the credit card, you can use it again. I said, well, because they canceled me. <laughs> like, I, I can't use that credit card if I tried. It doesn't matter how much I pay them. So uh, we put it into a savings account because, listen, eventually you're going to need it. Listen, so if you took the theft that Walmart experiences every year and you built a company out of that theft, that's a Fortune 500 company. And, and, and somehow Walmart doesn't go out of business. But, but we have a chargeback happen on one case and suddenly the agent is out of business. Terrible planning. It's terrible planning. I had a mentor of mine tell me 20 years ago, he told me, put 3% of every commission check into the bank, eventually you're going to use it. Just take 3% of every commission check, put it into the bank. Eventually, somebody's going to charge back. Eventually, something's going to happen. You're going to need that. And when you do, you don't want to be out of business. You want to stay in business. I was taught 20 years ago, number one rule of business is stay in business. That's the number one rule. This is something that's going to save, uh, put you in, and keep you in business. Now, if you've got huge credit card limits available to you, maybe that 10% savings isn't something you necessarily have to do. I didn't have that, so this is what I did. So now the rest is what I built my business with, 560 bucks. Well, I need to run $1,000 worth of ads. I only have 560 bucks, <laughs> right? Is this making sense? That's what I built my business with. I was faithful with that and it kept growing. And as it grew, I could do more. That's the early playbook. Now let's divide up that gross. Gross income, all the income before expenses. Let's look at the expenses. A third, again, this is, this is how we did it. Um, it's not still how we do it, but it's, it's really close. Um, but a third is roughly going to be leads. A third of your gross is going to be other overhead. And a third is going to be profit. And people say, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're saying I make $100,000 gross and I only get to keep $33,000? I go, yeah really good. Have you studied business? Like look at the most profitable businesses in the world. They make like 9% profit of their gross. You're keeping 33%. Really awesome. Here's what I want you to know though. You have complete control over that pie chart. You want to take more profit and go take the kids to Walt Disney World this month? Go do it. Just know that it's going to come from some other category. Does that make sense? Maybe this month you're not getting as many leads or maybe this month you're not investing in ads as much as you want. It's going to come from somewhere. Maybe, and we've done this where we've run less than 10% profit. By design, we decided to do that so that we could put more money into the business and grow. It, it's totally up to you. So I've had people say, well, I don't want to do that. You said I have to. No, I'm saying this is a plan and this is what we did and, and it worked. So you can, all of these um, pie pieces are dynamic. They're not static. If you want something to be 10%, listen, if you're not investing in ads and recruiting and all that sort of stuff, you got more profit coming in. Just know that the gross is probably going to stay pretty static as well if you're not investing in the business. You've got to invest in order to grow it. So let's break down that division. Am I going too fast? Good so far? 
So let's break down to a third goes into leads. I showed that a second ago. When I said, you got a thousand dollars in commissions and you put $300 towards leads. There it is. It was that, that, that's how it worked. A third goes into leads. So I recommend pursuing all lead types. A, A1, A2, A3, DLP, TLP, DKD, et cetera. Now, be clear, I'm not coaching anybody individually right now. This morning, Marty and I were talking, and I, did, I, I took off A2, A3, DLP, TLP, DKD. Like, let's don't even talk about those for you, Marty, because Marty's got cash flow coming in. Marty doesn't need to work those lesser lead types. But I've had some people come on board. My mom used to have a saying, she still has it, but she used to say it all the time to me because, you know, I wanted something more than what she was offering. And she'd say, hey, beggars can't be choosers you're begging right now and you got to take what you get, you know, and, and our kids learn in preschool, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit, right? Like that's, that's how it is. So if you're just getting started out and you know, I've had people say, I, I don't have much money. I got like $10, but I really love 20 a leads. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> Why not? Well, because $10 doesn't buy 20 a leads. So you may need to explore some other options and work your way up to that. Some people come on board here and they're flush with cash. They're ready to invest. Maybe they jump right into A and A1. I'm fine with that. But don't turn your nose up at the other lead types. I will say that A leads, if you get 10 A leads, you're going to make more sales than you are on 100 TLPs. Those are the facts. But if you're hungry, you're willing to work, who cares? Don't turn your nose up at it. At the same time, I will say this, as you are getting proficient at the personal production world, I would be shocked if, if Michelle Alleman was taking TLP leads because she's making sales. She's getting referrals. She doesn't need to work the really cheap leads that we offer. She's working those that give her the best return on her time, right? So spending 35 bucks on an A lead is going to be a really good investment in time. But if you're just getting started, one lead is not going to do it. You need a bunch of leads to work on your phone script and make the dial. So pursue all the lead types whether you're experienced with us or you're just getting going, don't turn your nose up at, at any one of these leads. Keep your lead bill manageable. Teach you and your agents referrals. If you're going to teach referrals, you better be doing referrals because uh, we believe in teaching from a, a position of authority, right? Like not, not do as I say, not as I do. No, they're going to do as you do. I don't care if you believe in that phrase or not. It doesn't work. If I'm telling my kids don't smoke weed and I'm sitting at home smoking weed, they're going to start smoking weed, right? It, it's, it's, they're going to do as I'm doing. Remember those 80s commercials? I learned it by watching you, dad. I learned it by watching you. It's the same everywhere. Leadership is leadership. Your agents are going to learn it by watching you. Michelle's agents are getting really good at getting referrals because Michelle is really good at getting referrals. That's the example that she's setting. The lead system is there to supplement the agent's activity. A lot of people think the opportunity that we have at the FITS group and at the Alliance is the lead program. No, that's part of the opportunity. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a reason that a lot of people come on board with us, but that is there. We create it not as a lead company. We're not trying to sell leads. We're trying to sell insurance. So the lead program that we have supplements your activity. Well, I don't have 100 people to start selling insurance to. We probably want to buy some leads to kind of jumpstart that process then. I have a hundred people I go sell insurance to. Fantastic. Go do that. And when you run out of that, maybe now you got some commissions you can reinvest back in the lead program. The leads are there to supplement what you're doing. It's not there as the primary focus of what you're doing. Does that make sense? You're a life insurance agent. You have a license printed off by the state of Texas or whatever state you're in to go make money and protect families. Don't keep yourself a secret. Everybody around you needs to know that you sell insurance because they probably need it. They probably just had a loved one die or something happened. It's fresh on their mind. You'd be shocked how many people want to buy life insurance when they know that you sell it, right? 
be quick to see problem agents and stick to your guns. If I see an agent that just, I can't make sales, I'm going to just keep buying leads and they're not willing to work on their phone script. They're not willing to work on their in-home presentation. They're not willing to submit themselves to coaching and instruction. I'm not willing to invest in them in more leads. And I don't want to see them dig themselves a hole and, and turn this business into a very expensive hobby. So I, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns. We have a, a pretty firm care ratio of 30% where we say, look, if you're getting 10 A leads, you should be coming in with three sales. If you're less than that, we really want to coach with you. We really want to talk to you. Um, that's, that's just what we kind of stick to. So be quick to see the problem agents out there. Be quick to identify when you got a problem, <laughs> right? Uh, and let's get it fixed. There is a solution. Listen, I love when we go to conference and people ask Heather, if you were going to go back into the business full time, what would you do? A lot of times Heather says I'd recruit. And I go, you hated recruiting. She said, yeah, because when I was doing it, we didn't know if it worked yet. <laughs> like it hadn't worked for us. We hadn't seen it work for anybody else. So it was really kind of tough to recruit. I felt like I was lying. I didn't feel like I was lying. I felt like I was telling them what could happen. <laughs> right? And they came on board for that. Well, now we got 20 years of success here. It's not like we're trying to figure out if this thing works. There is too much evidence of success here for you to fail. There's too much evidence. So if you're currently failing, there's a solution. Let's dig in and find it. Let's not be complacent to fail at yet another thing in life. Because it's probably not the first one. Too hard? Should I smile more? Love you. <laughs> just, I'm, just, I'm just telling truth. Sometimes it cuts. Okay. Other overhead. So a third of your gross income leads a third into other overhead. Let's break that down. Now, listen, initially your other overhead, really low. I mean, somebody coming on board here, brand new, what other overhead do they have? Nothing. <laughs> cell phone. You already had that cell phone. That is not a new expense here. You already had that. You're already paying the bill. Gas. You're already paying gas. You know, maybe you got a little bit more gas now because you're running appointments, but really the other overhead is really pretty minimal as you're getting started here, but you will start incurring expenses and, and opportunities to invest in your business as it grows. One of them is training expenses. We don't charge for this Tuesday morning. This one's free. Your team call doesn't charge for you to attend your weekly team call. But there are national conferences. Should I go? Yes, you should budget for it too. Put it in the budget. I'm going to January's national convention. By God, they keep talking about it. I want to see this person. I want to hear this person. I want to meet that person. Okay, you got to go. <clears throat> it's not the same watching it on screen as it is being in person and talking to the people there during meals. Books, audio, PC, training expenses. Listen, the most the most dangerous gun out there is the unloaded gun. The unloaded gun kills more people every year than loaded guns. Did you know that? Nobody ever talks about that. They want gun control, but they, they don't understand that you should treat every gun like it's loaded. And so what you see is accidents with guns because nobody taught that person to treat it like it was a loaded gun. And so they pointed at their friend, pulled the trigger, boom. You don't ever point a gun at somebody unless you intend on killing them, right? Unloaded guns kill more people every year than loaded guns do. It's what you don't know that can kill you make sense is it and, and even worse it's what you think you know but don't know that can kill you so figuring out what you don't know and learning it so that you now know it comes from training expenses i am i mean this sounds really prideful but i'm gonna say it anyway i'm way wiser than i was 20 years ago and thank god for my, i mean I, I i'm just so happy for heather that i didn't stay 23 year old fits i am so happy for her because I was all right. I mean, I was enough for her to marry me, but I wasn't enough for her to stay married to me. I had to grow. 
And if I didn't, we wouldn't be together. She had to grow too, right? And I'm so grateful for, my, for our kids. I'm thankful, I'm happy for them that we grew, that we didn't stay 23-year-old Fitz and Heather because that was a train wreck. Okay? I mean, today it would be a train wreck if we were still like that. You've got to invest in yourself. Most important investment in business is you. Recruiting ads. If you are building an agency, you need to run ads. Now, here's the thing. You don't need to run ads all the time. This is a whole other talk we can do about building width and depth, but you need to run enough ads to get five to eight in width. See which two are leaning forward and then do another five to eight in width. And you do that on a monthly basis. So you're looking to hire five to eight every month, but not necessarily every month, five to eight this month. See what comes of that and then do it again and do it again and do it again until you've got at least six legs with either production or recruiting activity in them. That's, our, that's for a whole other talk, but right now, that's just part of your other overhead. Craigslist, ZipRecruiter, Monster, Resume Searches. What's the best one, Fitz? Yes. They all work a little bit. Some work better at times than others. Just, it is what it is. We can talk individually about what you, what you should get started with. Office space. Should I get office space? No. I'm not telling you to get office space. <laughs> you need to check upline before you get office space, and don't sign a lease longer than a year. That said, my last lease was six years. My business is kind of established. I don't expect to go anytime soon. So a six-year lease was a better deal. But check upline. We, we certainly didn't sign a more than a year lease the first office we got. It's a good thing because we outgrew it in about six months. Staff. Check upline before you hire staff. Do you need staff or are you just lazy? Now, I, I, Andy teaches hire staff early. And he did. And he wasn't lazy. <laughs> He needed somebody else to help him in his crazy, in his work ethic, and he needed that help. Uh, and maybe you're along those lines, but more often than not, what I see people saying, I need staff, and it's just because you don't want to learn how to do paperwork. I need staff because you don't want to learn how to recruit. You don't want to learn how to fast track or contract. You don't want to learn anything. Small business owners tend to know everything about their business at one time or another. Do I know everything now? Oh, heck no. I have no idea how that lead system works. <laughs> I'm so grateful for Melissa, right? But at one time, I did. When you hire staff, fill your weaknesses. Fill your weaknesses when you're hiring staff. Don't hire another you. You got you. Hire somebody that supplements you. And then finally, when possible, pay based on performance. We don't always do that, but it's a good thing. Uh, and we certainly did initially in hiring staff is paying based on performance because you're a small business. You have very limited uh, capital to invest in your business. You need to know that you're paying for results, not paying for somebody to show up and punch a clock. All right. That was the rundown of budgeting part one. Y'all good? Okay. I'm gonna, real quick, this is going to take three minutes. Show you how to work your way out of the field. If your ambition, my ambition was not to be an insurance salesperson the rest of my life. My ambition was to build a business. And so what I had to do was focus on producing as much as I needed to pay the bills and keep the lights on and be able to invest in my business. But I spent as much time as possible as I could building. So eventually I could get rid of the sales side. So what you've got to do is add up all of your expenses, both personal and business, any expense that you have in your life could be a house payment, could be a lead bill. Anything, when you look at your bank account, there's a deduction from your bank account. Add all of that up. Whatever the number is, it is. I had a mentor 20 years ago say, when you're making $10,000 a month in overrides, that's when you can get out of the field. And I said, what if my expenses are 15000 <laughs> I've always been a literal person, bit of a smart ass. But, you know, it's kind of like, hey, how do I, 
what is, what's going to happen? I'm going to be in the hole if I make 10,000, I step out of the field and I, I'm, I'm losing 5,000 a month. That can't work. Everybody's got a different number. What we did was we made sure our number, our expense number was low from a personal standpoint. We invest in the business, but we drove one car for two years, right? So, I mean, we did things like people come over with a DVD and say, hey, you want to watch a movie? We go, we don't have a DVD player. That was back in the day. Those things cost 500 bucks. Like you got VHS because we can stick it in the VHS and watch a movie. Really? Well, we'll just go back to our apartment. Okay, we're not going to spend $500. That's a newspaper ad, man. I can get 60 responses off of that thing. You want me to buy that so I can watch a movie and waste time? Uh-uh. I'm a small business owner. So we, we kept our expenses as low as we could. You have to make sure this chunk is covered every month. You, you got to make sure. And initially, it's going to be all through personal production. Maybe your expenses are $6,000 a month. Maybe they're $20,000 a month. But initially, before you have overrides, that's all on you. You got to make sure. Now, I approach a lot of people about creating an override income, Bobby, and I say, I want to meet you halfway on this if we can right off the bat. I want you to try to shoulder the responsibility for all that on personal production, and I'm going to try to shoulder all the responsibility in the overrides. And somehow, some way, early, we're going to meet in the middle on all that, right? Um, so at first, you got to take care of that chunk with your personal production. Now, in this slide, you see 20% of your total expenses are now covered with overrides. This, by the way, means you need to watch your commission statements, see what was personal income, and see what was override income, and separate it out. Know your numbers. Remember, we're a business. We're not a hobby. So as your overrides start to increase, your personal production needs reduce. You see how you got 100% of your expenses listed there, but 20% is covered with overrides? That means the other 80% you're covering in personal production slowly working your way out of the field. Now the slide's showing about 70% <clears throat> is covered with overrides. You're almost out, but not quite. This is where most builders make their mistake. They step out of the field too early and can't figure out why they're going in a hole financially. Well, let's see. You're making $7,500 in overrides. You feel like you're making a, a, whole, a ton of money because you got the personal sales on top of the overrides. But you're making $7,500 in overrides, but your expenses are $10,000 and you can't figure out why you go in the hole because you stepped out of the personal production field, you're $2,500 short, fool. That's why you're going to the hole. It's real simple math. It shows you right here. So this is where a lot of people make the mistake, and they go, I stepped out of the field too early, and now I'm financially devastated. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what will happen if you have a $2,500 leak in your system, and you don't fix it. Eventually, your $2,500 becomes $5,000, becomes $7,500, becomes $10,000, just like that. You have a good business you think is making good money, and you're $10,000 in the hole. How'd that happen? Well, you weren't paying all of your bills, <laughs> right? And the answer there is filling the gap with the personal production. So in this slide, we're showing 100% of your overrides, 100% of your expenses are, cover, are covered by your overrides. That's beautiful. At this point, keep personally producing for another three months, and you're out for good. I just had this conversation with Brant Swindell at, at Family Reunion. He wanted to know how to work his way out of the field. He came to me and said, I've heard you tell people how to do this and you've helped people work their way out. How do I do it? I told him this exact thing. He said, well, when I get to the point that my overrides are 100% of my expenses, how much do I need to personally produce? And I said, three months. He said, but how much each month? I said, as much cushion as you want. Because at the end of three months, you don't want to go back, do you? Once you've worked your way out of the field, do you want to go back? No, you finally bought your time back from the personal production for field. You finally bought it back and you can do whatever you want to with that time. For me, it was family, it was business. I had plenty of things to fill that time with. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. 
Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.